Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of OG or My Talks. Your best friends just just shooting the bull. That's what my that's what my dad used to say when I was growing up. He would say shooting the bull. We would go to these like fried chicken places, and it'd just be like a bunch of old dudes just shooting the bull. They'd be talking about football or you know all that stuff we used to do. Not to get bummed out. Super super fresh up top. Well, how are you? Are you doing well? It's good to it's good to be back on the podcast this week. We're talking about the thing you probably expected us to be talking about this week in music. Your girl, our princess, our queen, Tay Tay Swift. We talk about her new album that she just dropped last week called Folklore, and we talk about mostly the good about it. I uh, I want to celebrate our girl Tay releasing a gift to the people during um, the dumpster fire that is 2020. We also talk about. Hot Rod, which is a movie I'd never seen before, and boy, did I enjoy that. Your, your boy Andy Samberg in the absurdist comedy. It's just, it's all there. And then we talk about something that Aaron is super passionate about at the end. It's, it's something called a highly sensitive person, which sounds like I'm just making, I'm just combining words together. But it is a, it is a thing that Aaron is very passionate about, and she talks a lot about it very, very thoughtfully. So I encourage you if uh, if you if you just hang on to one part of this episode. I know T Swift is is fun, but uh, Aaron, you can hear the passion in Aaron's voice as she talks about what makes a highly sensitive person and kind of the science and the research that's gone behind it. So in this episode, we we just we get right down to it. So let's do it. O Jeremiah talks about Tay Tay Hot Rod, highly sensitive people. Let's go. I want it to be you talking on the intro. You could put ice in a kombucha. You could put anything in kombucha if you're if you like set out to it. Well. So how is your kombucha? I wanted it chilled. Thank you for getting it for me. It is an apple one of and it's very tasty. It's called Pink Lady Apple. What's mm-hmm. the pink in it? That's the that's a type of apple. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. What is a pink lady? Describe it. Now I wish I would have gotten one for myself. It's just good. It's just like apple-y. I mean... With the tartness of a regular kombucha. Regular kombucha. You love kombucha. You feel like it is your, like, treat. Oh, now Noodles is ready to join you up there. So we got kombucha going. I've got a nice cup of counterculture coffee. Noodles finally sat down. She's finally chilling. Oh, she's so cute We're recording this on a Monday... It's it's daytime. We both woke up in a good mood today. Well, I didn't, you did not wake but up then in a good I, mood. But then I went for a walk and re, and reawoke and yeah, you myself. And, you and the little monster noodle bug went on a walk today. And you came back in and it was just a brand new beginning of yeah. good mood. Yeah. How are we feeling now? What's the, what catch me up? Much better. I'm considering opening up my cheese kit this afternoon and trying to make some mozzarella. Okay. And that's exciting. I do think it's going to take a while. P.S. Dinner probably won't be ready until about nine o'clock tonight. Wait, really? How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I feel okay, I guess. I want to make some gluten-free pizza and I have some dough already made, so. That sounds amazing. Does it? Yeah. When did you get a cheese kit? But it's going to be kind of vegetable-y. What's a cheese kit? Katie got me one for my birthday. It's just like a kit? I've never done it before. So this is your project for the day? Because we have milk, right? We have milk. I got milk. Well... We got cheese. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know so you're making a, are you making a gluten-free pizza from scratch? 
I mean, so, sort of. Yeah, because you can't have gluten, but you can have cheese. And yeah. if you make it yourself, you can have both. Wait, no, you can't what? have pizza. I don't know. I can have cheese. What? Do you want to talk about your sour straw fiasco? Yeah, so... Wait, first, I don't know if everybody knows that you have to be gluten-free. Yeah, so as of September of last year, so September 2019, um, I finally received word from my... A professional. A professional that it would be in my best interest to completely cut out gluten. And that that was expected. Oh, you want to hear some terrible news about that today? Um, so Alex texts me today, who is my sister and she has ulcerative colitis and it's, I don't want to get into it. I think one day we should get into it, but just a quick recap is that like she got blood work done that basically proved that our parents were like carriers of this gene mutation that could pass along an autoimmune disease and she developed ulcerative colitis that's kind of like how it manifested in her body and so my doctor was basically like hey because both of your parents were carriers like you're likely whatever so it's just in my best interest to cut it out completely because I'm basically preventing myself from getting UC right um which is like a really terrible thing to get and sounds miserable sounds horrible whatever and I have my health has felt better since cutting out gluten, um, I don't, my sister goes through what we call a flare and it's just like really terrible. And she texted me today and said that she just, a flare just started today. Oh no. And that's like, I know that's like the beginning of just like a miserable season. Yeah. That's tough. So it's usually brought on by stress. That usually is what triggers it for her. And your sister is like trying to take over the world right now. She is a mother of two. She is in nursing school. Yeah. Like, holy cow. She's got a lot going on. So, uh, Addie's about to start school for the first... Her, Addie's about to start kindergarten, and it's during a pandemic. So, Alex is just kind of... And she's graduating from nursing school this week. Yeah. So, it's just a lot. I cannot believe we're already talking about people going back to school, because I feel like to go back to school, you have to have a fun summer vacation. And I feel like it feels like it was just March. Like the pandemic season has been both long and incredibly short at the yeah. same time. But anyway, Agreed. so sour straws while we were enjoying yeah. our movie of the week. Yeah. One night I was just like, hey, let's watch a movie and let's get let, we miss the movie theater. So let's just go ham and get movie snacks. So we got Cokes. We got we made popcorn. I got sweet tarts, which is my Jeremiah go-to. Jeremiah loves sweet tarts. And that I has was to like, be the little hard round. Well, that just described every sweet tart. But the classic. Um, tube. It's, it's like, no, it's not in the tube. That's like whenever you're at a gas station. The movie sweet tart. Or in a box. Could, or in a box. And they're like the size of a penny. But they're like as thick as like a <laughs> silver dollar. <laughs> as thick as your dreams. As thick as your dreams. and Probably as thick as a good dermis. Uh, what did you just say? (laughs) Sorry. But my move, I put three in my mouth at a time. Whoa. And I picture the top one and the bottom one being bread and the middle one being the meat. And I have a sweet tart sandwich that I created. I stick it in my mouth. I can go about six seconds before I just bite down. That was a lot of information about a sweet tart. Immediate sugar rush. It is a great time. Do they have to be different colors? Uh, they don't have to be a different color. I Sometimes I will mix it up. I'll be like, I want a green sandwich with just three green sweet tarts. 
and or then I'll be like, I want a, a Havana spritzer, which is a red, a yellow, and a red, <laughs> and then I, when I eat. Okay. Uh, but um, I didn't know this. Yeah. All sweet tarts are. Sure. Uh, pixie stick dust, but solid. I wish y'all could see his hand motions right now. He's really a scientist. Yes. So Good. I didn't know that. It's the Babe, same stuff. I'd love to send you, maybe for our 20th anniversary, we'll we'll go to a sweet tart factory. I love that. What? And you can show them how you put make it into a sandwich. Well, what I love sure. is that on the box, it says no artificial ingredients. And you know, that's just not true. So we need to redefine what that means, what that word means. Mm. Because like, I know it's not some organic sweet tarts up in here. I know. Just yeah. gobbling it up. Labeling is bothersome. So, speaking of, I make fun of things that say gluten-free when they don't, like, when it's obvious, like, uh, bacon is really funny to me whenever it has a label that says gluten-free. I'm like, duh, you idiots. Um, but then, it was about six months ago, I was, like, watching, this is what always gets me, anytime I'm watching a TV show and the characters get a candy and just, like, go for it i'm like dang it i really want that yeah now yeah so twizzlers was the candy i forgot what show i was watching but they just like went for it and i was like oh this sounds amazing but i knew i wasn't gonna buy them but i still was like i wonder if since i'm gluten-free i can even have them so i was in the grocery store and i checked and i was like shoot there's like wheat in it that that's so annoying and so i was like oh i bet sour straws have them in it but didn't check i was just like whatever Fast forward to this past weekend, totally forgot about that instance. You said, okay, cool. We're going ham. We're doing this movie night like we're at the movie theater. What kind of candy would you like? And I was like, I would smash a thing of sour straws. And smash you did. Those are sour. Those are awesome. I drink my Coke from it. From it. Like it's like an actual straw and I think it's really fun. Yep. Texturally, it's really fun. Um, so then, granted I did have a lot of sugar that night, but trying to go to bed at like 11... And I start feeling kind of funny. Like, my stomach felt off. And I was like, what the heck? And I was like, duh, Erin, you had strawberry ice cream at Washington Farms this morning. And then, which was amazing. And then also, you had a Coke. Also, you had a thing of sour straws. Like, maybe you just had too much sugar and you're just feeling kind of weird. But then I was like, it's a different kind of weird. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, the Twizzlers. And so I Googled it, and sure enough, there's freaking gluten in sour straws. Yeah, that was confusing. You said Twizzler and sour straws, but just sour straws. No, I know, but I was referencing my story. Oh, your Twizzlers. And and I felt like I let you down because I am your honorary gluten ninja. So when we're at parties, someone will be like, got chips for everybody. And I'll be like, are those gluten-free chips? And they're like, yeah, most chips are. And I'm like, okay, Trevor. Lose the attitude. I'm trying to protect my life. <laughs> yeah. It was not your fault, though. I but, felt like garbage. And the thing that helped is that I text my sister about it. I was like, dude, I was beating myself up so bad. I was like, this happened. And she was like, oh, my gosh. I found out a year ago, and I cried that those had gluten free. And my sister's been gluten-free for like eight years, so it made me feel better. Yeah. And, and gluten is is a sneaky little ninja like i remember whenever we tried to teach my parents what gluten was they were like wait wait but you can have gumbo and we're like no well is there flour in the roux and it's like yeah but they're but it's gumbo and we're like what but it's like that's not bread that's like, not okay okay well uh 
So, anyways, we're fine now. Yeah, yeah. But I well, also hopefully. felt like garbage because I ate an entire box of sweet tarts. Yeah. And the other thing is that we did go to Washington Farms, which is this like blackberry picking place in Athens, and we got a half a bucket, which is I don't know a thousand blackberries. It was <laughs> it was half a gallon. Half a gallon. Uh, did they last twenty four hours? I just ate the last four this morning. Thank you for leaving me four. I did leave you four. And the reason why I did is because I know that I would have been wanted to be able to say that you ate the last one. I know. Your because boy I definitely ate, ate probably a fourth of least, a gallon of blackberries with under in under 12 hours. And for some reason, that makes me feel healthy. Also, I... <laughs> no. Also, I was not keeping track of how many you were eating on the farm, so... Yeah, I was. Your stomach is at your own risk at this point. No, I I do feel like I'm like a trash compactor when it comes to stuff. And Anything I, I can just really do it. Can I tell you my favorite part about the sour straw incident? Is the next day you were like, well, once you eat gluten, doesn't it take like a couple of weeks to get out of your system? I was like, well, two weeks to like, and then a few months is finally like totally gone. And you're like, has there been anything that you've just been like craving really bad? Do you want to just go smash it today? Yeah, that was me trying to... And I thought that was really sweet. That was me trying to turn bad into good. And you know what I regret not doing? Taco Bell. No, why didn't I freaking get cheesy bread from Little Caesars? Why is that your... No. I love cheese. I love bread. Why would... Cheap cheesy bread. No. Done. No. Not support of. I gotta tell you In support of. Why do you think we're having pizza tonight? We're having pizza because you're wonderful and you're a wonderful cook. Thank you. We should have had... The new grilled cheese burrito at Taco Bell. Oh my goodness. Because if you're going to eat garbage, eat straight garbage. Like go all the way to the well, top. I feel like what I recommended favorite, was... Okay. That's our favorite tour garbage is TB. We don't have to keep calling it garbage. No, I mean, I feel like it's the kind of thing where you're it's like... pretty negative. I'm calling it garbage as they hand it to me. And I, I think say, we should just you. call it... No, I think it's just fun food. Okay, fun food. That's great. I'm not not eating Taco Anyways, Bell. Anyways, let's move on. Okay, let's talk about music. Our girl Tay Tay, as we call her in our apartment, and everyone else does around the world as no, well. No, I don't. No, you don't. I just say it out loud. Um, her, she released a surprise album, Folklore, uh, last Friday. Was it last Friday? Yep. My friend came over and we stayed up or to Thursday midnight. Thursday at midnight. Yeah. Thursday at midnight. We stayed up, to just two 30-year-old dudes waiting on the new Taylor Swift album, and we listened to it from start to finish, and I I have thoughts, and I'm really excited that this is what we're talking about this week on the podcast for music, because I feel like Taylor Swift, lover, hater, you can't ignore her, because she has such an imprint on culture at large. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling with new Tay-Tay? I really enjoy it. You really enjoy it? I, um, my favorite song right now is Seven. Seven. I, I think it's beautiful. I knew it was he or somebody knocking. She got excited? I don't think that's our apartment, is it? I don't think so. Um, my favorite song is Seven right now. And I, and I say right now because often with an album with 16 songs, whoa. And that's just the digital version. The physical what? version has four more songs. What? Yes. That's sneaky and smart. Yeah. So many songs. Um, I love the instrumentation on a lot of them, like the strings in it. The, so that I think w- that's your boy. That was going to be my first note. So if Taylor, it's as if Taylor was like, hey, listen, how do we get Jeremiah to listen to this record for sure. And they said, well, we're going to get his favorite producer 
to do it. So Aaron, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Dessner. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say that it was all about me, but uh, so Aaron Dessner is the guitar playist. Guitar playist. That's how they say it in the National. <laughs> He's the playist in my favorite <laughs> band, The National. He is. Uh, and he, he's like produced stuff for the Lone Bellow. He like he is just guru of production. Yeah. And he's done a lot with the band The National. And when I saw that he was the producer of it, that's why I stayed up. I didn't stay up for Taylor because I I mean, I feel like this is her eighth album. Like I feel like I get what Taylor's gonna do, but I will say this was super surprising to me. There's no promo for it. It was just like boom, this is happening. Yeah. It was just and the like, excitement of that. It's like whenever Beyonce dropped her album, it's just like what a fun thing to do if you're that big, just to just randomly drop a whole album, right? Yeah. yeah, no, sure. I was even intrigued by it, and I was so tired, but I still, I stayed up and listened to a few songs with you guys. Yeah, I and I mean, a Taylor Swift collaboration with Bonnie Vare. I've just, never heard him sing like that. That's how, like, I wish I could sing. If I could pick one way to sing, it would be low and rumbly. The way he does it. That was so interesting. So interesting. My, the thing I'm, I think I'm most blown away with on the album as a whole is the instrumentation throughout. Yeah, and I think I think they nailed that for sure. Beautiful. And there's some. Taylor Swift has a very signature vocal melody that's easily to easy to pick out and identify as hers. I think. Yeah. And Seven still incorporated some of that. But for the most part, it felt like different Taylor, and I thought it was just really cool. Yeah, I it was risky. I don't, and it her story and the way she presents herself is so strange to me because I have never loved her music, but because she is such an icon, I always feel super obligated to be a part of the conversation because none of her songs. I'm like, this is the greatest song ever written, but like people feel that way about Taylor. Like she is so many people's heroes, right? Okay. But of all the records that I think, oh, this is going to be the one that lives the longest, like in the, you know, in just good songwriting and like, I think this one is going to age the best. Oh, yeah. I think that's, and I think that's, I think that could be part of the goal because the name of the album is Folklore. Yeah. Which is, doesn't that mean like stories passed down? Like, yeah. So it's like, I think she's hoping that this will last. There's a lyric in Seven that, that makes like kind of an ode to that that I forget, but reminds me of the title. So my favorite lyric on the whole record. So I've listened to the whole record probably three times all the way through. Okay. And I like, I really like the one because of the beat on it. Mm -hmm. It feels very, it feels very... Taylor Swift is in an indie rock band and it it feels like old Taylor and it's like easing you into what new Taylor is going to be like because the melody is very like is very Taylor and then the instrumental like the instrumentation gets like less and less Taylor throughout the record I think but my favorite lyric on the whole record is on my tears ricochet which um I you know I don't know how I, how I feel about all the song titles or whatever but this this lyric made me like oh wow i need to write that down uh and if i'm dead to you why are you at the wake which to me is like that's a cool lyric amazing pop writing that just it didn't have to be that good but she made it that good which i think is cool yeah yeah man i wish yeah i can't remember the one to seven that i love so much but 
she just does a really good job making huge pop songs accessible on this record yeah. because like we listened to it all the way through. And then one of the songs from lover came on and it's like a sledgehammer through your ears. It's like so loud compared to this record. Like it came on and I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot. Comparatively. It's just so different. Yeah. Like I, I do grayscale on my phone. Yeah. And whenever I switch it back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, those colors are like killing me. Like it's like, it was like that dramatic. I understood. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, One of my favorite, Taylor moments that I've seen was who was on SNL that night she did a SNL performance last year of Lover and she was like at the piano by herself and I just thought she knocked it out of the park like I thought it was just so beautiful and then she did another song with the saxophone player from the SNL band that was so great and it was just it was really tasteful I wonder if that was the inspiration for for this record because I remember staying up and watching that with you and we were both like, that is just really impressive. That's just really good. It's just very timeless. It's timeless. Which is what, yeah, that I, I do think that could have had an influence on it. Well, it's, and I also think from like, a, I don't know, just practically, she's not going to tour this record because she can't. So like, why not come up with a record in your home? Just and cool listening, just, easy listening. Yeah, just like we're all like blue in our apartments. Like Taylor Swift made an album specifically for that. Yeah, totally. Because a lot of her shows are like big and loud and a lot of production. And like this is more of just like an easy listening, vibing, at home, chill record. Um, oh, man. Oh, yeah. If you have not seen the documentary that's on Netflix. So good. I think it's really good. It, it made me have like even more respect for her. I wasn't a T-Swift fan until that documentary. Really? Uh, really. And the reason why she addresses the reason why it's like when someone is that famous, it becomes so much less about their music and more about just like their story. And I like, I never realized cause we're the same age. She had a very different life than I had. Like another huge pop star like calls her out on national TV and then like chants all these profane things at his show. And like, like, yeah, you know, F Twitter or F Taylor Swift, like trended on Twitter. Like there's so much that she's experienced that I won't ever experience. And that helped her seem like a real person to me in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think the most impressive thing about this record is her work ethic to me. In that 16 songs, way more songs than she had to put on this. That's so many. And Lover did not come out that long ago. Yeah. Like, I think that she is, she reminds me of Paul McCartney, because like I've listened to all these articles about Paul McCartney talking about, like, just the work ethic of being a songwriter and just, like, showing up and, like, cranking it out. And I think that she just does a really great job of just, like, showing up, writing it down, and then getting it out. Like, yeah. she does a really good job of that. Yeah. I, I want... To focus on the things I don't like about the record, but I don't think it's helpful because I think, like, it does a really great job doing what she set out to do, I think. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, and also, it's interesting because I can't tell you what I think the Taylor Swift sound is because she started out country, then she went to, like, pop, and then she went to, like... I feel like, I feel like she does have a sound, though, and whether it's like her voice or like the the rhythm that she sings it's just like so easy to identify yeah and i think her music like i think radiohead has a sound 
or the national has a sound. I think Taylor Swift does a good job interjecting her personality across different genres. Yeah. What is um what's what's the song that I came in on y'all listening to it and y'all were like, "Oh, this is one of the ones that Aaron Dessner did." And I said that if it if she sang if uh Matt Berenger sang it an octave lower, it would be definitely a national song. Oh, that's a great question. Do you know what I'm trying? Like, I was I th- like, oh, well, it still sounds, it doesn't sound like. I think it, was it Cardigan? Because that's the one that everyone loves. Everyone loves Cardigan and. Uh, one or the one. I want to say it was, uh, no, it wasn't August because Jack Antonoff did that one. But there's one that I, like, it's just, it's hard to imagine anyone but Taylor singing these songs until I heard that one. Yeah, I would love to hear a national cover cover this That'd record so that would cool. be so, like if matt burninger like did Burn, oh what did i say oh, i don't know i say it i go in and out i don't know how maddie yeah maddie b yeah so big fan of taylor as a as a whole i've i don't know she also just seems really nice she seems super nice but like you hear stories that she like people break into her house and sleep in her bed at night like what the heck yeah that's just bananas but my favorite songs from the record are Exile because Justin Vernon is one of my heroes. I really like the one... Wait, who's Justin Vernon? Bonnie Vere. Oh, yikes. Okay. No, I mean... I didn't know his name. No, that's okay. Uh, and I also think The Last Great American Dynasty, it reminds me a lot of those really great 90s pop songs where they just tell a story from start to finish. And I love that song. It reminds me of like uh, The Way by Hardball. Um <laughs> It just like starts with a family and it tells like that whole story. And I just think that's really cool. Interesting. Yeah. Big fan, big fan of T-Swift, big fan of her record. Well, I'm a medium fan of it. To be honest, I don't know how I feel but about it. But in full support of her. I'm in full support of her. I don't, I recognize with this record, I'm not the target audience because the whole time I listened to it, I was like, I would much rather listen to the bands that sound this way that have always sounded this way. Like, I think this is a, this is a entryway into this genre for people. I just really enjoyed it a lot. No, that's great. I have a lot of respect for it, I think. Yeah, I think she's great. Okay. T-Swift. Okay. Okay, let's talk about Hot Rod. What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Hot Rod. So we're. this is a little bit of throwback. I don't even remember. When did this movie come out? 2001. That's a good guess. Because Andy Samberg does look like a very young... 2007. So we were... I'm going to miss the movie so much if they go out. And it just doesn't look good. I've been keeping up with Tenet. That movie... The oh, this was Nolan. the Sour Patch Night. This is Sour Patch oh, I'm Night. I'm sorry. The Sour Straw. Sour Night. Straw. So Tenet is the new Christopher Nolan movie. And they are putting so much money into marketing that movie. Because they're hoping that movie can help get people back to movie theaters. But... It's not going well. I think they pushed it back four times now. And it's like now it's supposed to release in mid-August and it's not looking good. But so Aaron and I were feeling ourselves and we're missing the movie. So we decided to have the movies come to us like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And we started. Like we were feeling sad. What were you trying to say? No, feeling ourselves meant feeling good. But because like we were in a mood to like hang out, watch a movie it would have been the perfect night to actually go to a movie. And we just wanted to recreate that in our apartment, right? Yeah, that's really funny that you described it in that way. So we... Picked, I support it. Yeah, no. So we, we really loved... Palm, or I really loved Palm Springs. And I really wanted more Andy Samberg. And we were going through movies. 
I think Netflix and we have four streaming services. It is mm-hmm. so overwhelming to pick something. You know what I did is I went to, we, well, I asked everyone on Instagram and then I also went to lettered box, which is like Goodreads for movies. And you can kind of like people have like list. And so I just searched like classic comedies and hot rod was on there like several times. And I, I think I've seen that movie in part in high school or yeah, Mm-hmm. It would have been probably college, but I, I don't think I've watched it all the way through. And I, I remember thinking like the first time I saw Napoleon Dynamite, I just like didn't get it. Yeah. It just seems silly to me. Yeah. And then whenever you're like, yes, it is silly. That's the whole point. Now enjoy that. Here's my truth about he- comedy movies. I have an expectation that any comedy movie that isn't current isn't going to be funny to me because humor is so dated. Interesting. I always think it's not going to be funny to me. I think that movie proves that slapstick comedy will never not be funny. Yeah, we definitely laughed a lot. We laughed more than I expected to. I expected yeah. a couple of chuckles, and um, that reminds me of, and like that's where I thought it was going to end. Whenever you like crack and just have to like pause to like get out, and your body starts going back and forth, you're like laughing so hard, you throw your hand above your face, and then you just like start like cackling, and you just like can't control yourself. Then I start laughing at you, I and it's just think, like really fun. I don't think there will ever be anything funnier to me <laughs> than whenever a person on screen vomits <laughs> out of like ex- out of being hurt, out of being hurt, not from a stomach bug, but like getting so injured. That yes. <laughs> so the the movie starts. <laughs> the movie starts with Andy Samberg just whiffing Wait, on a stunt, or of being scared, or being scared. Oh yes. Like, it will never not be funny to me. Because the movie Good Boys, they're all, like, (laughs) crossing the street. And then, like, the little boy gets so (laughs) startled that he just throws up all over the place. And I did not like that movie very much. No, but that part, I I couldn't stop thinking about that part. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, I just love a good... <laughs> he was so scared. A good, I'm terrified and I need to I need to Vomit. yak. And that's what, <laughs> that's what happens. The physical comedy in that movie is really, really good. And you forget how Andy Samberg went from no one to like the biggest star so fast. Yeah. And I didn't realize that Hot Rod was an SNL movie. Like yeah, Lauren Bill Michaels. Hader. I didn't know that he was in that. Yeah. Uh, Chris Parnell is in it. Bill uh, Hader did a good job in that yeah, movie. Yeah, Bill Hader was super funny. It also had um, the other guy in The Lonely Island. I can't remember his name, but he was like his little buddy that would like film everything. Yeah, that was his stepbrother. Stepbrother in the movie, yeah. But the premise as a whole is so ridiculous. I don't know why I didn't think... Like, when I was younger, I was just like, I'm too good for this movie. But the premise is aspiring stuntman wants to raise money to give his stepfather a heart transplant so that way he can fight him and earn his love. And earn his respect. It is the dumbest premise that is 10 out of 10 a good time. Yeah, it's really fun. I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. No, no, it's a 10 out of 10 good time for I, me. I wouldn't do that. What, what would Personally, you say is your favorite comedy? I had probably like a 6 out of 10 time. Wow, company included? That hurts. No, including you, it was like an 8 out of 10. I would say my favorite comedy... <laughs> of all time for laughs would be bridesmaids. Oh, that never fails. Kristen Wiig is my is just 
if she is in something, I'm going to have We watched a great that time. in the middle of quarantine, like the beginning of all this, and we had a great time. We had a great time. What is the movie that got me in theaters? I don't know why, but I was just in a mood. It has to surprise me. And like Anchorman 2... Yeah, I and, lost it, and and, and looking back, I've seen it since, and I like didn't did not laugh at all, and I was like, what was wrong with me? I think I think when you're watching a comedy, the mood has to be right, and yes, the group has the to mood. be right. And I we were also on tour, and I think I was just dying for entertainment without having to talk to anyone. I remember there's a slow motion sequence where the bus is toppling and over that, in that movie, I and that killed you. You, I was like, my wife is she's gone. I like, couldn't stop laughing. You couldn't stop. The first time I saw Elf was a really good time. That's a really and, good movie. That's a Christmas tradition for us. Yeah. What else? It it has to really catch me off guard. Like and, I I can't be like. Oh, this is going to be so funny. I have to just be like, I don't know what I'm going to expect in this one. Well, I will say I did really <laughs> love Palm Springs for the story and for just the offhanded jokes that like surprise me. This one, I did not care about the story because the story is needless. Like it's just, it's, pre- it's just slapsticky and, and fun for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Uh, Andy Samberg yells 90% of his lines because he's just being a big dweeb. Pretty classic. Pretty classic Andy. But I, I I had a really, really good time with it. I, I, I've heard quotes about the movie before and I like never thought it was funny. Yeah. But this seeing it all in context on this one, it just like really got me. Yeah. We had so, a good we had a good night overall. We had a good night. It was a good time. Okay. You want to talk about something you've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a while. Let's talk about uh is it HSP? Yeah, we can call it that. HSP, let's do it. You can call it that? Yeah. Yeah, so when I'm trying to think, I wish I could, it's like I have my life, uh, I almost feel as strongly about this as I do about the Enneagram. Or like I did whenever I first found out about highly sensitive person, HSP. I was instantly drawn to it like I was instantly drawn to the Enneagram because I finally felt like I had language to describe myself. Right. Okay. And for someone that feels like it's had, I've had a hard time being understood or like seen whatever this gave, I think this almost gave me more reassurance than the Enneagram did, but I believed in it just as much whenever I found out. I think the when you learned about the highly sensitive people, I think it pulled back the curtain on your childhood more than the Enneagram. Same. Yeah. And it was one of those eureka moments of, oh my gosh, this is why. Yeah. Which is to yeah. me like the biggest gift of highly sensitive people. I would Can you say, describe it? Oh, 100%. So I would say like, I think I found out, I first found out about it. There's a guy that came up to me after church one Sunday. Yeah. And it was just like, he knew, and I don't even know him very well, but he was like, Hey, I think you need to know about this. And so he started describing it to me and he was like, this is something I discovered recently about myself. And I just figured you would be interested in it. Right. And he said, you know, there's this test online you can take. That's pretty hard, pretty like fast and true. And that instantly drew me to it because like, I love like Enneagram. It's really hard for me to tell people 
hey, this is what it is, but please don't take the test because that's not going to be accurate. But it was really cool for me to hear from him like, hey, HSP does have a test and it is pretty accurate. Also, whenever you hear about it, you're just going to know. So I'm going to read the back of this book if that's okay. Yeah. Because I feel like this gives like a good description. So um, it's just called The Highly Sensitive Person. How to thrive when the world overwhelms you. Yeah. And I think I say I'm overwhelmed more than any other statement in my life. Yes. It's by Elaine Aaron. Is that how you'd say that? A-R-O-N? I'm assuming. Uh, I think yeah. so. Um, okay. On the back of it, it literally says, are you a highly sensitive person? Do you have a keen imagination and vivid dreams? Is time alone each day as essential to you as food and water? Are you, quote, too shy or, quote, too sensitive according to others? Do noise and confusion quickly overwhelm you? If your answers are yes, you may be a highly sensitive person, person, HSP. Most of us feel overstimulated every once in a while, but for the highly sensitive person, it's a way of life. In this groundbreaking book, Dr. Lane Aaron, a clinical psychologist, workshop leader, and highly sensitive person herself, shows you how to identify this trait in yourself and make the most of it in everyday situations. Drawing on her many years of research and hundreds of interviews, she shows you how you can better better understand yourself and your trait to create a fuller, richer life. So there's like a self-assessment tool. It's how to deal with being overstimulated and in information on medication if you think you might need that. Techniques to help you get through it. And also my favorite part is just how it affects your work and personal relationships and how other people might view it in you and how you can work with them on it. Right. Right. Because I think hopefully that was a good, that did that give you a pretty good idea of what it was? Uh, I think so. But I, you and I have talked so much about this, so I, I, I can't tell. Basically, basically if someone doesn't know what it is, I want to make sure that they know. Yeah. So I would say, um, we have done a bad job with, making sensitive a dirty word yes and And this is this is helping people that are the true definition of sensitive put language to what how that affects them with a very noisy world that they live Mm in and i think but it's not just like sensitive um it's like highly so like like more so than a typical more so than yeah so what from what I understand, there's like like around 15% of the population would identify or would be considered highly sensitive, but apparently it's not a high enough number to like be a diagnosis yet. And so that makes it tricky because wouldn't it be nice if we just had a diagnosis for it? Because I think if... All of my educators and like my family had this for me growing up. I would have been able, like, I think it would have been really helpful for the people around me to have this tool and how to interact with me. Yeah. And I'll tell you the first, so one of the first stories that I can remember where I felt like there was something wrong with me was like, I was, as a kid, I was always afraid of loud noises. That was just kind of like a thing. And that's pretty common for some children so like no one really overthought it that much but internally I was I would say I was like traumatized as severe but it was really hard for me to get through things that were like loud and uh, coming at me like it felt like 
it felt like I was in six lane traffic in Atlanta and everything was just merging in my lane. Right. Okay. So, or it's like, um, they describe it to regular people that are not highly sensitive. She explains it really well of like, you walk into a party where the music is really, really loud and your friend is trying to talk to you and you can't understand them. Right. And it's like, if you are over stimulated, that's what that feels like to you on a regular, in a regular highly aroused moment. But for an overly highly sensitive person, it feels like that a good bit of the time. Yeah. Um, That's kind of like, we have to operate on that as autopilot sometimes. Right. Sure. So um, I assume you're about to tell the lawnmower story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, uh, that this, okay? this helped me in our first getting to know each other, understand it. Yeah. And this is before you and I even had this language for this. But so whenever I grew up on a farm and we had like um, a huge yard, I mean, obviously like the cow pastures and fields, whatever, but the actual like mowing yard took roughly four hours to cut on a riding lawnmower, riding lawnmower. Not, yes. Yeah. So it's pretty big. A lot of barns everywhere, a lot of fences to get through, whatever. Um, So whenever I turned around like 10 or 11, that was kind of the age that my sister, who's three years older than me, that's whenever they kind of gave her the task of cutting the grass for like part of your allowance. And I remember dreading it. Like anytime I would see Alex on the lawnmower, I'd be like, oh man, I'm so glad that's her and not me. And then I remember the first day dad tried to get me on it and he was showing me about it and he was like, you know, it's really simple. Let's try this, whatever. Also important to know, I, if I was 11, I still didn't know how to ride a bike at the time. Well, I mean, it's easier to ride a lawnmower than a bike. Well, I know, but still like my dad's only experience with trying to teach me to do some operate, something like that was a failure. Okay. So I'm sure that was probably hard on him too. He felt like a lot of pressure to like do well. Um, so I, I remember it really well because I was I was internally freaking out. My heart was racing. I was like very scared. And then he finally cranked it and it was just as if like my world was caving in. Right. But I was trying to hold it together. And so he got me on it and I just started like bawling my eyes out. And my dad just thought I was just and rightfully so. I mean, he just thought I was being kind of whiny and like not wanting to do it. And so I did it, but I cried almost the whole time. And then they were just like, man, that was, whew, let's see how it goes next week or whenever we have to cut grass again. So tried a couple of more times and the days leading up to it, I would just like start crying and get like really upset. So finally, the last time my dad ever tried to get me to do it, he said, he took me out there and I, he could see me starting to tear up and he was like, are you, he's like, fine. If you don't want to do this, then why don't you just clean the house for the rest of the day? And I was like, okay. And he looked at me like in shock. And I was like, I was like, what? No, like, is that really an option? And he's like, uh, I mean, are you willing to like dust the whole house, clean all the bathrooms, sweep, mop, like literally clean the entire house? And without like even blinking, I was like, yes. And so me and my dad talked about that story like 20 years later or however 15 years later and whenever I first found out about being highly sensitive and he was like we reenacted that story together and he said the fur whenever that happened that was the first time I realized that you weren't lying to me and Mm. you didn't have a reason to lie to me about this right because you were genuinely terrified and 
the fact that you agreed to do that instead of that made me realize she's not making this up. This is torture for her. Yes. Did not know at the time that it was just like overstimulating, too loud. Had I known we would have gotten me some earplugs, I would have figured out how to listen to mute. Like I would have, there'd been so many other. Other ways to combat it. Other ways to combat it. Um, Like for example, when I got in a car accident when I was 16 and after that my dad got in the car with me a few months later and was like, what are you most afraid of? And I was like, the interstate terrifies me. And he was like, cool, we're going to go to Daphne and we're just going to practice getting on the interstate over and over again. And we did that like about 10 times yeah. and just like kept doing it. Kept, and he was very calm, very patient. And so there's, there's ways around it. But anyways, that, that made me feel as a kid because then, and my sister didn't know, but she got mad at me that she had to cut the grass and I didn't. And she just thought I was like a pampered little kid. Yeah. Because I didn't have to do the same things as her. Um, but really things were just so stimulating and I would, a, a common thing for a highly sensitive person as a kid, like you can kind of identify a kid this way is that maybe if, if there's like a, like a, a bunch of kids are outside about to play and participate in something, but then you see one kid kind of off to the side <clears throat> assessing the situation and you think that they're just like being a loner and not wanting to participate. But honestly, they are trying to assess everything that's going on and learn about it before they actually have to do it. Right. And <clears throat> I do that, I think, with everything that I do. I have to, if there's a new situation that I have to encounter, I'm always like 30 minutes early because I don't know what to expect. And I need to just like assess everything first. Right. And I, so we learned about the same time you learned that you were a very highly sensitive person. We learned that I'm very lowly sensitive person or whatever the opposite of that is because <laughs> or you're just a person. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say that compared to you, I am brash and we would do new things like get, go to an eye exam or something and you would want to get there 30 minutes early. Yeah. And I would be like, girl, like we're just going to walk in like we own the place. But that is a very huge difference. And one of the things in marriage, especially, we had to learn to to kind of navigate because I still to this day do not understand how you feel. Yeah. I just have to believe you. Yeah. Because of all the things that I have the hardest time meeting you where you are, it's this. It could be this. Yeah. Because none of these things come hard to me. Like, I don't get overwhelmed by loud noises. Like, I like being, you know, in loud rooms. And I love cutting the grass. Like, it's like little yeah. things like that. But you, there will be times, especially in the car, you will say, this is where I am. I'm not asking you to, be I'm not asking you to, to bend over backwards or whatever. Just believe me that this is hard for me. Yeah. And oftentimes, I, the only way you get to me like re the only way you and I meet eye to eye is if you describe exactly how you feel and say, trust me, like this is where I am. Or if I, and I'm just like, why would I lie about this? Yes. Because that would, I, I don't want this. Yes. And also important to note that you don't have to be afraid of lawnmowers to be a highly sensitive person. It can be triggered in different ways for you. Right. And um, another thing I want to address is like, it doesn't, a highly sensitive person doesn't just mean that you cry all the time. 
Right. That's not true. I mean, you might cry more easily than others. Right. Because you're deeply affected by things. But it also, oh, yeah, one of the biggest realizations for me in this, like, uh, it also means that a lot of times you're deeply affected by art and music, like, so strongly that you just, like, you feel it so deeply in your core that you don't really, it's very hard to express how it feels for you. Yes. And music can move me to tears, like, so quickly. Yes. And I also, like you saying, it's a really good point to say that, like, sensitive has been used in such a negative way. I hope that, I hope that this becomes more aware to people of highly sensitive people and that we can respect that sensitive just means that you are very, if you're highly sensitive, you're very aware of things that going are going on around you in every sense of the word, like, not just like feelings well no like vision hearing like everything is heightened for you yes and so it's almost like you're more in tune to your surroundings oh so in tune yeah like to the point where you like you could you know you could be triggered like it's almost like when an amp is like super sensitive it's going to feed back or yeah like that kind of thing there is a uh this is crazy this is going to make you be like how does this even how do people like this even exist um, hello, I'm Aaron. But like <laughs> social discomfort is a big thing. And like, I think that speaks to like new interactions, but they have a truer fault. And you can like check your answers of like, do you know the latest on like tips on overcoming social discomfort? This is what we think about. It helps to, these, I'm reading you the true ones. It helps to try to control negative self-talk such as he probably won't like me or I'll probably always fail. Um, You need to expect some rejections and not take it personally. It helps to have a plan for overcoming your social discomfort. For example, trying to meet one new person a week. When formulating your plan, the bigger the steps you take, the faster you will achieve your goal. It is best not to hurt. Oh, that's false. Yeah, don't do that. Or not to rehearse what you'll say. Um, when trying to get a conversation started or to continue, ask questions that are a little bit personal and that cannot be answered with one or two words. Um, that's like, it, like the social discomfort of just like ways to help that it, it, it sucks because I, it sucks in that like, there's so many flashbacks that come back to me as a kid of teachers and people just being like, oh, well, Aaron's just really shy. Like, don't worry about it. Like, she's just super shy. Or poor Aaron. She's so sensitive. Don't tell her that. Right. She has to be the last to know anything. It's just so, it was so devastating. And I, one of the, I went to therapy like six months after finding out about this. <clears throat> and one of the questions said, like, on my paperwork for that was, what do you want to cover for sure? And I put, being highly sensitive like do you know anything about that and she was careful to tell me like hey like you might it might be hard for you to use the word like traumatized or like trauma but because people in your life growing up didn't know about this there are probably quote regular things that you went through as a kid that felt traumatizing to you at the time because no one understood what you were going through of course because I don't know that there's anyone, no one in my immediate family that I think I would identify as highly sensitive besides myself. So no one truly knew kind of what was going on with me. Yeah. And so she's like, we might have to go and kind of forgive yourself for how you dealt with that or reframe it. So what, 
what, be honest with me. Was it hard for you to believe that it was a real thing whenever it first became came to light for us? No, it was helpful to me that it was a thing, even if, you know, the fact that there is a book about it and there was a guy that said, hey, I am this and I think you could be this also. Yeah. That was helpful for me because I am a dude from the South that if I showed any sort of hesitation that I was scared, I would get thrown into the pool. You know, like, yeah. I, you know, tough love was the antidote to highly sensitive people. And the thing is, is that that antidote has the potential to harm some people. You know, um, it, it, I would say almost as, I mean, I, the Enneagram was more helpful for me, but as for, for our relationship, I would say this is, this was just as helpful Yeah, because it gave me language to understand why do I feel like I'm married to a stranger and because there are times where it really affects you and I'm like, she could not be more confusing to me. But ever since this has come into our lives, I'm like, there are times where like, this is just such a gift for us. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I, I loved it from the start. I think in my memory, I loved it from the start. And you believed it. And I believed it from the start because I believe you and because it, it, it rang, it rang so true for us. Yeah. Uh, so what would you give? I think the reason I asked you that is I fear that people don't believe it's real. Well, they're also not, they're probably not married to a highly sensitive person. Yeah. And the, honestly, the thing about the podcast that is interesting is that people hear this podcast and you've talked, like I'm looking at the, at, like you talk way more than I do on the podcast sometimes. Oh, sorry. No, 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 that wasn't a criticism that's like a joy because i get you in this safe space where you get to open up you get to be yourself and people after shows or people like at parties will be like why is aaron so shy and it's just because the circumstances are different yeah so this is a really cool way for people to get to know you because this is kind of like exactly your safe zone in so many ways, you know, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So what would you recommend someone trying to get in to, to try to learn more, to try to join this conversation? Like, what does that look like? The, the highly sensitive person.com gives you a really good, just like simple checklist of, uh, like a test and you just answer yes or no. And if you answer, it's like, I think 25 questions. If you get anywhere from like 18 and up, you're probably highly sensitive. I think I scored like 24, so I knew for sure. Wow. Um, but that's probably the first place I would go. This book is really dense, but the, just the highly sensitive person, um, Elaine, Aaron, and um, there's a podcast. I don't think they've done any recent episodes, but it's still really helpful, especially the ones on like how to talk to your friends about it or how to, you know, because I... I do think there is a fear that people just think it's like made up and you're just like, because sensitive is used in a negative way. I wish we would have named it something else, but I mean, there's no better way to describe it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think we just abuse the word sensitive. I don't think, I mean, you shouldn't have to change the name of the thing because that's a great name for it. We just use the word wrong. I want to, I want to say that they coined the term, like maybe in the nineties. So it's like not that. It hasn't been around for that long. We haven't really done, there hasn't been like that much research on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Because like, I'm assuming that someone's doing studies on like children from like birth through however old they are to see how it affects, affects them their whole life. Yeah. And see the, 
what happens with that. But yeah, that's a lot. I could talk about it for a long time. I kind I wish we can get someone on here that can we can talk to about it. Yeah. With because it's it's just something that I I think overall I want to be understood just like any just like the next person does. And you deserve to be. Like we yeah. all deserve to have our story told, right? Yeah, and I feel like this is maybe feels like an unusual story. So And it feels like a big part of your story too. Yeah. 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 So okay, highly sensitive person. Um if you want more, please check it out. It's very helpful. It was very helpful. Message to us. me about it if you yeah. learned anything about it that I need to know. So what are you super into this week as we wrap this thing up? This thing. Do you have an answer already? I do have an answer. Okay, go ahead. Do you want me to go ahead? Uh, so Joy Alotikin is a singer-songwriter. I think she's out of Nashville now. I don't know where she was originally. It's a great name. It's a great name. She just released an album called In Defense of My Own Happiness, and it was produced by Jeremy Latito in Nashville. <laughs> and You love it. I cannot speak highly enough about that record. It has a song on it called Smoke, and the the percussion and the production of that song blows me away. There's another song on it um, called Unwelcoming World that I think is really, really wonderful. It, that record is just, she is going to be so huge. And I just, I love that I, I discovered it at this point so I can follow her along the way, you know, because she is a moving train. There's like no way around it. She has no huge voice. Um, she has incredible lyrics and I can't get over how great the production is on that record. My favorite songs are smoke and, um, she has another song off a previous recording called blink twice. That is absolutely heartbreaking in the best way. Yeah. Joy Lodakin is just so very good. What about you? That made me think of, um, what I'm really excited about. Uh, there's a local jeweler, I guess you would call her in Athens, that goes by Stampton Finch, and she does custom-made uh, jewelry. And you got some. And I got some, and, it, and I got it to say joy on it, so that just reminded me of that. Uh, it's like... Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Same word. You you picked you picked that word. I, I've been wanting one of her necklaces for, like, a year, and I never could decide what word I wanted it to say, because, like, whenever you're getting a piece of jewelry stamped it feels very official yeah and i was like i was making too big of a deal out of it well you and asked me and I, that was literally your first yeah suggestion. And, I think, and i think it's because that's the thing i'm hungriest for right now like we're it just i feel like this this part of covid all of my friends are the exact same amount of hopeless <laughs> and that's just what yeah. we're all after so we need some joy and she wrote me like a handwritten personal note saying that i she hoped my days were joyful and yeah check her out on instagram stamped and finch and she's local to athens and she her shop is through etsy and um um, just like amazing stuff i i love it i'm surprised i'm not wearing it right now that would make more sense but oh my goodness noodles hair right now you just gave her that that smooth i gave her a bath and she's got oh her hair's like my bangs (laughs) we have the same haircut noodles that's great oh she's exhausted Okay, I love you. Love you too. I feel like I talk too much. No, you, you're so sensitive. <laughs> that that's actually, if I could teach anyone anything, it's to not say that to people. And I took one for the team because I knew that. And you're okay. You so, wanted that to be a teaching moment. 
I wanted to, I will be. Don't ever say that because it's always a negative connotation. I will be the nail that you hammer into the sign of highly sensitive people. I don't even know what you're trying to say. 